Hello and welcome to ASMR Tirada de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, we want to make sure you know how much we appreciate you. Thank you for listening and being a part of our podcast family. If you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to share your favorite episode with someone. It really does help our podcast grow. Good good evening and welcome to my dissertation on my story, Bigfoot in Ohio. I don't even know where to begin. I was out of town helping with the uh, pandemic situation and ensuring that as much as I could do was getting done to help the situation. And I got a phone call from a very close old friend, a wonderful lady named Joanne. And Joanne is a very close friend, and I, I, I care about her immensely, and I was worried by the tone of her voice. Her brother was missing. He had decided to become a survivalist. Her brother, Marvin, was always trying new careers, new vocations. Some were relatively successful, but most were pretty miserable failures. He decided that since social distancing was the norm now, and among other reasons, he watched a couple of documentaries on the Discover Channel, I guess, he decided to become a survivalist. He left his cell phone, his computer, all electronic items, and just I guess took some kitchen knives and frying pan and some food and ran off into the wilderness of Ohio. Now, Ohio is a, kind of a funny state. You've got all these major cities in Ohio, and I'm talking major. Toledo, Cleveland, Akron, Canton, Youngstown, Columbus, Cincinnati. Now, these are major cities. And practically from Cleveland to Akron and then all the way down to Canton is almost one large, huge mega city. You just go from one city to the next. And the population has expanded into the suburbs and made them almost like a super city that one connects to the next. And you can hardly tell them apart unless you know the area well. But this... The state of Ohio is also an odd place. They have cornfields and farms, cattle ranches, dairy farms, and there's tons of 
state parks and lakes and places to go hunting and fishing. You can escape into the wilderness of Ohio just by going a few miles in any direction, just about. And this is exactly what Marvin did. He left his home with a note to his mother. He's an adult man who still lives with his mother. And she was out with her boyfriend when she came home. Um, the TV was still on. And uh, he had paused the survival program he had been watching. And he was gone. Gone with the wind. And the only thing left was a note he left behind telling his mother that he was going to live off the grid be a survivalist until the pandemic ended or until he discovered gold by panning in a stream or river nearby. Marvin's mother was beside herself, of course, and she called her responsible daughter, jo Joanne. Joanne and her husband contacted me immediately. The police kind of have a long history with Marvin, and they had their hands full with the civil disturbances and protests and marches that are going on right now. They really didn't have time to devote resources to hunting for a middle-aged man trying to live off the land deep in the heart of Ohio. <laughs> They would get to it eventually, but it was not a priority. And being that Marvin had never even gone on a fishing trip in his life, let alone a hunting trip or spent a night in a tent, his sister was concerned that even if it took the police three or four days to organize a search for him, he would probably be dead by then. Sadly, I agreed. I'm not much of a country boy myself, and I have to admit I'm not fond of mosquitoes and living in a hot tent in the middle of summer. But she knew me well, and she knew that I grew up in Ohio, roughly in the same area that Marvin was hiding in, and she was hoping that I could get some friends to go search for him before things degenerated any further and the authorities had to get involved I agreed and immediately set off best I could to get to Ohio and as expediently as possible it was hard getting a flight but I got close to where I lived near the city of Alliance Carnation City a wonderful little city typical of the small town life of Ohio where city and town blend and I'm from Salem or I'm from Alliance or I'm from Warren. Beautiful little cities, communities that take care of each other, strong school systems, proud heritage in the Carnation City of Salem or of, of, of Alliance was no different than many wonderful communities in Ohio. 
an old downtown. They even still had a train depot for passenger service on Amtrak. And I used that same service to get from the airport to Alliance. But uh, now I needed a car. Luckily, one of my relatives was willing to come pick me up and escort me to the last known location of Marvin. He was seen taking a walk up into the wilds of Meander Reservoir outside of Austintown, Ohio. It was a short drive for me and I got there relatively quickly and before nightfall and I was able to set up some equipment and hopefully get an idea of where he was, triangulate a position and use some drones that I had brought with me to kind of zone in on maybe make a discovery of where he was in the uh, fenced off area of Meander Reservoir. Now Meander Reservoir is a tinderbox waiting to happen. It's the water source for Youngstown, Niles, and many of the communities around. It is completely fenced off and then sealed off with a forest of very densely planted pine trees. These pine trees have grown and dropped their needles over time to where there's a bed of needles all across the land. And they really do try to keep people out of the area because the risk of a fire would be catastrophic in this area. Pine trees are notoriously fast-burning trees and the kindling is piled up for feet thick on the floor of the forest. What makes it even more dangerous is a lot of people from the city bump right up against the nature preserve and they're not experienced on how to handle campfires or how to properly extinguish them. The chances that Marvin could start a forest fire were actually pretty high. And, well, the story of Marvin trying to dump a glass bottle full of mercury in Meander Reservoir is a story for another time. He thought it would just float to the bottom. He didn't think it would pollute the water because it's so heavy it wouldn't mix. I think we should stay on this story, though, for now. You have to let me know if you want to hear about that one. Joanne and I go way back, and sadly I've had to deal with Marvin in the past. It's funny, I have to admit that. Out loud, it almost feels like talking about your crazy uncle or your insane cousin that everybody has to put up with at Christmas time. But for all his goofiness and misunderstandings of the world, Marvin is actually a harmless individual. At least we think so. He's never been convicted of anything. But that's, again, a story for another time. 
I used my drones to try to find some smoke or evidence of a campfire. And believe it or not, I did locate a small smoke wisp coming out of a forested area. I set my GPS tracker to the drone's location, then flew all my drones back to myself for, self, for safekeeping, and I proceeded in the direction the GPS directed me in. I hadn't been in the woods a long time, and this was an arduous, miserable hike. It wasn't up and down too many hills. It was relatively flat. But the vegetation was very dense. Thorn bushes. Very, very dense Ohio foliage. I had to hack my way through some areas with my machete and tromp down bushes just to keep on the right path. But luckily it would help me get back to where I needed to go to get out of the preserve. So at least I was blazing my own trail, you should say. I was also coming across wildlife that uh, was quite wild for Ohio. Deer, coyotes hide in this area, and the coyotes are not afraid of human beings. And you think... Deer are totally harmless, but when you come up on them, they stay still to avoid you, and at the last second they bolt. It's enough to give you a heart attack, and sometimes they'll run right into you to get away. One of the funniest stories I have was I was talking to a friend and just on the phone washing my car, and a full-size male deer, a buck, come across the yard ran right into me and then ran into my car. This is a true story. He slid right across my driveway and slammed right into the side of my car. He didn't hurt me or the car, but he was just completely panic-struck. He probably was frightened by a dog and was just trying to get out of the neighborhood. And he just was in full panic mode. And I know people think that's crazy or an insane story, but it does happen in Ohio. That's why they get hit by cars a lot. They are in a panic mode trying to get away from the car or a car. And they're so spooked. You actually make things worse by beeping your horn at them or different types of behavior. The best thing to do, at least I've noticed, is blink your lights at them. It seems to break the cycle of their panic and allow them to go in a different direction. The blinking of lights seems to help them change direction. If nothing else, hopefully go away from you, which is the goal when you don't want to hit one. In this case, the deer stomped right past me and they were followed quickly by a pack of coyotes, neither of which were fun to deal with, but I had very benign weapons to protect myself and one of them was a copious amount of pepper spray and I was able to ward the dogs off quite quickly and not cause too much damage to the animal life around me. A couple quick squirts and the wind took care of the rest. The 
coyotes decided I wasn't worth messing with, but I'm sure they were watching me from a distance. I closed in on the area where I thought Marvin might be, and I came to a small, rutted valley. It looked like an odd cut in the trees. There weren't a lot of pine trees down in this rut. Maybe this was a runoff for water that had dug itself out over time, and it was just dry right now. I don't know for sure, but the foliage wasn't too high and it wasn't too covered in weeds. So going up into this small valley, this tight little narrow canyon, wasn't hard for me to navigate. There was a corner up ahead and I could smell something. It smelled like a strange odor of garbage or manure or maybe even a dead person. I was hoping I wasn't coming across a crime scene. What happened when I turned the corner next was absolutely not what I was expecting. I turned the corner and I found Marvin. Marvin was in a white dress shirt with a black bow tie and dress pants and his Sunday best shoes polished to the nines. And he was cooking breakfast on a skillet over a small fire, that hence the smoke that I detected with my drone. And all his equipment was there. The problem was, Marvin didn't notice me at this point, the problem was he was with a captive audience. He was cooking eggs and bacon for a family of Sasquatch. That's right, people. I came up upon Marvin sitting across from him cooking intently watching and listening to his conversation were four Bigfoots. An obvious male, mother female, and two small children. They were sitting, listening to Marvin, watching him cook, completely in awe of what he was doing. Once in a while, one of them would reach and grunt for him to give them a taste of what he was preparing. And he would smack their hands away and wave a finger at them. I was stunned by what I saw. I slipped back behind a small bush and tried to take some photographs quietly with an electronic digital camera that wouldn't make any mechanical noises. I honestly didn't know what to do. First of all, the Sasquatch is relatively harmless and avoids 
human contact. Whatever drove these Bigfoots to interact with Marvin, maybe they had an ill family member, or maybe they just happened upon Marvin and were curious. But this was not a normal situation. They're also semi-nocturnal. They like to travel at night or in the evening when human activity is a lot lower. These were very large Bigfoots. The father, over eight foot tall, he would make short work of me if I scared him and he became defensive and protective of his family. I highly doubted my pepper spray rubber bullets or my service revolver 38 special would stop him before he snapped my neck in fact I was very frightened of the situation I decided to pull back and observe they totally ignored me I was not the most quiet hiker in the world and I made several noises that I thought for sure would give away my position but the Bigfoot totally ignored me mesmerized by whatever Marvin was preparing to serve up to them he finished cooking and made up plates and then handed them all To the primates watching him he fanned the plates because he knew they were going to eat with their fingers and he didn't want them to get burnt he told them how to blow on the food when they picked it up with their fingers he even instructed one of the children to use a utensil a spoon they ate the meal and laughed at his jokes he was telling strange one-liner jokes that you might hear Rodney Dangerfield tell Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show back in 1985. The whole thing was odd. There was something strange about it. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. When they were done eating, they all stood up, dropped the plates, and basically got ready to leave. Luckily for me, they were leaving and going in the opposite direction that I was, and they went into the woods. As they turned to touch Marvin on the head, one after another, even the children were almost as tall as a full-grown man. That's when I noticed why they were so intent upon Marvin and working with him. The female was carrying a child. Not newborn, but young. And the newborn, the young one had a splint on its arm. It had been wounded. Maybe in a trap. Maybe from a poison spider bite I, I can't tell from this distance but he had put wrapping and bandages on it and a small splint to keep 
the hand straight. Somehow, Marvin, the most city indoctrinated, I don't even know how to describe him. You know, I give up. I give up. Marvin was cooking breakfast for Sasquatch with a suit and tie on. Okay, that's what I saw. That's what I saw. When the Sasquatch were out of sight, and I knew they were not coming back, I announced my presence to Marvin from a distance, acting like I had not found him yet. He yelled back to me, and I walked into the clearing. As I closed the distance, I kept an eye on where the Sasquatch had earlier left in case they decided to come back to be protective of this new member to their tribe. But they didn't come back, and I was quiet after I announced my uh, appearance, and Marvin waved me in, and I came in, and we had a conversation. I didn't bring up anything and didn't ask him any questions. And now the story gets even weirder. He didn't forward any information or even discuss that the Sasquatch were there. He said that he had some friends stop by. They checked on him and everything was okay. And he was going to stay a little bit longer. And then later in the day, he was going to go back home to his mother. He told me, don't worry, I know my way out. And he pointed to his car. And sure enough, there was a small cut road for the forest rangers, for the wildlife game people to access that area. And he said he knew it was wrong to go through the gate, you know, um, remove the lock and come in. But he had hoped everybody would understand. He just needed to get away for a while. I observed safe distance from him. And I said, well, you know, if you don't mind, I'll just stay a while and you could save me a trip and you could give me a ride back into town. So we agreed and I sat and spent a few hours talking to Marvin and when he had gotten tired of his survivalist campaign, we packed up his belongings, which weren't a lot, made sure the fire was out and safe and uh, we left. On the way out, he said, oh, there's my friends, and he waved, and in the bushes on the way out, as we were driving away, I could see the Sasquatch family peeking from behind the pine trees, watching us, and the fear, the automatic fear of seeing these primates went up my spine, they were watching the whole time. But since I was obviously not a threat to Marvin, they avoided contact. I wouldn't have even seen them if it wasn't for the white gauze wrapping of the baby's arm. I said, oh, I, d I didn't see anything. I, I didn't see anything because I didn't want to see anything. And he says, oh, that's okay. They we're already past them. 
you missed them. We left the wildlife refuge after I relocked the gate for the forest service and we got on the main road and he dropped me off at my hotel on his way back to his mother's. I told him to make sure he gives Joanne a call and I would be following up too to make sure he did. I went into my hotel room, checked in, called Joanne and told her that he was okay and going back home to his mother and everything was fine. She asked if anything weird was going on and I said absolutely not. He was totally alright. I just happened to stumble onto him while he was finishing cooking his breakfast and we visited for a while and then we left the forest. She was happy. Not all cryptid stories, supernatural tales of wonder have violent or strange or creepy endings. Sometimes they're just stories. Fun to hear and listen to. I left Marvin with more questions than I had answers. And you might wonder why I didn't ask him about it. And I think sometimes some things are just better left alone. We in the scientific community have decided to leave the primates of the Sasquatch family alone. We know enough about them, but otherwise we let them live their lives. Sometimes it's better that way. Sometimes it's fun to have a little mystery left in the world. Not everything has to be explained, filed, documented. I hope you enjoyed this story and I hope it made you happy. It's summer now in Ohio and I know everybody's itching to get out and have some fun. And I hope you do too. I hope you get to have some fun today wherever you live and wherever you enjoy going out to movies, restaurants, the drive-in, maybe even putt-putt golf. Hopefully things will get better and not worse as the summer progresses. And I hope you stay safe and healthy. And I hope you had a good time today. Until I see all of you again, have a most blessed day, okay? I had fun. Sometimes that's all you need is a little fun. (laughs) And boy, does Marvin know how to have fun. That guy. Could I tell you some stories? And maybe I will if you like this one. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huel. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com 
slash it out of the whale. The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardewhale at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.